<clears throat> In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Amen. I'd like to welcome you all to our Perseverance Family Conversation. And as always, it's uh, great to be with all of you. As we start off our conversation this morning, we'd like to invite to be with us Mary Most Holy. Mary is the mother of the church. Mary is the mother of God and Mary is the mother of each and every one of us. Yesterday we celebrated the beautiful feast day of Our Lady Guadalupe. So we celebrate today the feast day of St. Lucy. Mary is known also as our life, our sweetness, and our hope. So let's invite Mary to be with us as we start off a new day. By praying the prayer that Mary loves most. That prayer is the Hail Mary. So together. Hail Mary. Full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed the fruit of thy Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Now, as always, we like to invite to be with us our spiritual director or our spiritual guide. Our spiritual director, spiritual guide, is is the Holy Spirit. That's right, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit has many beautiful titles. The Holy Spirit is also known as our the paraclete holy spirit is known as the gift of gifts the holy spirit is also known as the sweet guest of our souls holy spirit is also known as Our Consoler, he's also known as our Counselor, he's also known as our Interior Master. What that means, (coughs) taking from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans, The Holy Spirit, He's the one that actually teaches us how to pray. St. Paul in the Romans says, we don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans so that 
we can say Abba. Abba, which means daddy or father. Let's beg the Holy Spirit to give us a lot of light and the interior fire of love to burn within our hearts as we pray. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your Spirit. They shall be created. Thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us that by the same Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady Guadalupe, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Michael, pray for us. St. Gabriel, pray for us. St. Raphael, pray for us. Saint Lucy, pray for us. Saint Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. Saint Maria Faustina Kowalska, pray for us. All God's angels and saints pray for us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So my friends, we always start off by praying together because the family that prays together stays together. We start off by praying to Mary, then to the Holy Spirit, then to the angels and saints. So we are definitely in good company. The best of company. So as always, I'll encourage you all by promising to pray for all of you. Now pray in a special way in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Indeed, there's no greater prayer in the world than the holy sacrifice of the Mass. Like a place all of you on the altar. And offer these intentions. My first intention, I'd like to pray that all of us would be open 
to the inspirations of the Holy Spirit. That's right, that we would all be open to the inspirations of the Holy Spirit. Our sanctification depends upon allowing the Holy Spirit to sanctify us. That's one of the names of the Holy Spirit. He's the sanctifier. And you might say this prayer today. Come Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come through the heart of Mary. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come through the heart of Mary. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come through the heart of Mary. My next intention, I'd like to pray that all of us would experience the joy of Advent. The joy of knowing that Christ, through Mary, just came to save us. That we would be filled with joy today. My third intention in the Mass I'd like to pray that for all those people who will die today. That's right. All the people who will die today. Only God knows how many people will die today, but we want to pray that they will die in the state of grace. That's right. That they would die in the state of grace. So those are my intentions today, and I'd like to move now into the readings for today. I'd like to go through the readings, but I'd like to focus upon the saint that we celebrate today and glean one aspect from the saint we celebrate today. First reading is taken from the prophet Zephaniah. God says that he will he will work to transform us. He will change and purify the lips of the peoples. Change and purify the lips of the peoples. Okay, so I'd like to bring bring out one idea. Purify the lips of the people. Let us make an effort to not offend people by the way we speak. I repeat, let's pray that we not offend people by the way we speak. And three suggestions. First of all, read St. James chapter 3. Okay, so read St. James, 
chapter 3. And this is uh, probably about the best chapter you have in the Bible on the sins of the tongue. It won't take you a long time to read the chapter. It'll probably take a lifetime to put it into practice. Second thing I'd like to say would be St. James reminds us to be slow to speak and quick to listen. In other words, to, to think before we speak. So once we open up our mouth and we say something, the words are already out. Jesus says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. My third suggestion is the following. To get in the habit of praying more to the Holy Spirit. Pray more to the Holy Spirit because it is the Holy Spirit that guides our minds, our hearts, our emotions. We have to allow the Holy, allow the Holy Spirit to take possession of our lives. One of the best examples of what I'm trying to explain to you is what happened on Pentecost. Now, on Pentecost, <clears throat> the apostles united with Mary, they prayed for nine days and nine nights. Then the Holy Spirit descended upon Mary and the Apostles. So from that time on, the Apostles were never the same. When they would open up their mouths to speak, to preach, they were being guided by the Holy Spirit. So like the Apostles, we want to be guided by the Holy Spirit, not by the bad spirit but by the Holy Spirit. So that's one idea I like to glean from the prophet Zephaniah. He says, I will change and purify the lips of the peoples, that they all may call upon the name of the Lord. Let us all call upon the name of the Lord. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. When you're tempted to commit a sin, call upon the name of Jesus, Mary, and St. Joseph. 
for help. Lulu has just posted on the fact that I've written a prayer to the Holy Spirit and we can possibly post this in the future or you, in the area, we can actually give you a a hard copy of my prayer that I wrote to the Holy Spirit. And right, uh, Julie has said that maybe my next book can be on the topic of of the uh, the offenses we have when we speak to people. And then Julie points out that Julia points out that. People are brought up in an, an environment, in a violent environment, where people are not even aware of the fact that they're offending others. That's why we want to try to meditate on the life of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, and try to imagine a, try to imagine a typical, a typical day in the life of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Typical day in the life of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. So the responsorial psalm is taken from Psalm 34. And the antiphon is, The Lord hears the cry of the poor. Well, let me comment on that. The Lord hears the cry of the poor. We are very poor, but God has enriched us in our Perseverance family with his presence. So we should be eternally grateful to God for his presence in our lives. How many people in the world are walking around without believing in God. They're either agnostics or atheists. How many people are living without God in their lives? What a tragedy. Because all of us, all of us, Sophie, Julia, Estella, all of us have our own struggles we all have our crosses. We all have our own sufferings. But we know and believe in God and we believe in a loving Father that cares for us. And we have a loving Mother that cares for us. That's why we celebrated Our Lady of Guadalupe. Lady of Guadalupe said, Am I not your mother? Am I not your mother? So we're forming a really good family in which we're trying to really support each other in our in our walk with the Lord. In our walk with the Lord. But let's flip the coin over that we are poor but God has enriched us. So we get close to Christmas Let's pray the Holy Spirit to see how how can we help out how can we help help out the poor 
Okay, how can we uh, help out? <coughs> how can we help the poor? That should be in our mind. How can we help out the poor? Now, when I say help the poor, we can say this in a in a much more extensive way. Now, we say the poor, right away we think about maybe the homeless, the beggars, the blind, the man that's there on the median, on the off-ramp of the, from the freeway when we're driving our car. And that's true that these are the poor. These are the poor. We can't deny that. However, we can we can give a much more extensive interpretation of the poor. It might be the poor cultural poverty or social poverty or intellectual poverty or moral poverty, or spiritual poverty. Now, I'll give you an example of what, we, what we've tried to do in our parish. Today, being Tuesday, is a day in which we have a really good team of people that help out the poor by providing them with uh, a big bag of food that they come and receive. We try to give them the best quality. And before Christmas, we also provide them with toys for their children. This program has actually won an award from the Archdiocese of L.A. because it's so well organized, so well done. For many years, I was involved in this program. And I was not involved so much in giving the people the bags of food for the poor, but giving them the ticket so that they could get the bag. But my part would be trying to alleviate what's called the spiritual poverty. That's right, the spiritual poverty. Spiritual poverty. What I would do is, uh, years ago we would have 150 to almost 200 poor people that would show up for their bag of food. But before they were able to get it, they would come to me in the old church building. And I would work with them. Spiritually. So what I would do is I would pray the rosary with them. I would sing with them. And then I would give them a talk. The talk that I'd give to them would be very often related to 
the gospel reading for the upcoming Sunday. Then they try to get some of them to go to confession so that they could receive absolution and the grace of God. So our team would be providing the physical food and I would be providing the spiritual. So we say, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread can have different interpretations. Our daily bread could give mean the physical dimension of our person. We pray for health and work because as a result of that we can provide food, clothing, and shelter. But another interpretation, give us this day our daily bread, would be give us the daily bread of the Word of God, which I'm trying to teach right now to all of you. Having a hunger for the Word of God. You remember when the devil tried to tempt Jesus to turn stones into bread. Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Another interpretation of bread would be John chapter 6, and that would be the bread of life. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever eats my body and drinks my blood will have everlasting life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So when we say, Lord hears the cry of the poor, let's try to alleviate. Let's try to alleviate poverty. And it might even be, my friends, that we don't have to travel far and wide to encounter poor people. They might be even in our homes. Might be even in our homes. It might be even in our homes. In this sense, maybe there's some someone in your home that is experiencing sadness, desolation, maybe depression, maybe loneliness. Perhaps you're called to exercise charity toward the poor within your own four walls. So I invite all of you to, to, to pray over this. What What is the way... What is the way in which you, as we all get closer to Christmas, it's just a few days away, how can we help out the poor? Because in the poor, we're called to discover discover our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen to these words of Christ. I was hungry and you gave me to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. 
I was naked and you clothed me. I was a foreigner and you welcomed me. I was sick and in prison and you visited me. When, Lord? When, Lord? When, Lord? Whenever we did it to the least of our brothers and sisters, then we did it to Christ. So we will be judged on the way we treat others. We'll be judged on the law of love and charity. Okay, the gospel for today is Jesus gives us a, a parable. And in family dynamics, family dynamics, I think all of us can understand this parable of Christ. Most of you have children and you have more than one. This parable today, once I give you a summary of it, you'll be able to identify with this looking at your children probably right away. In my style in our Perseverance families, I try to give you try to give you a summary of the gospel. I try to give you a summary of the gospel. Then I give you an explanation. Then after the explanation, I give you a practical application, how we can put this into practice. So summary, interpretation, <coughs> and application. <clears throat> so here we have it, my friends. There's once a, Jesus gives this parable. There's once a father that had two sons. And the first he said to the son, "Go out, go out now, and work in the fields." The son right away said, "Yes, father, I'll go." But he never went. He said yes to his father, but he didn't obey his father. Then there was the second son, and the father said, go out, go out in the field to work, and he said, I'm not going to go. But Reflecting, possibly his conscience bothering him, he decided to get up and he did go out in the field. He obeyed his father and he did work in the field. Now which of the two sons, which of the two sons 
did the will of the Father. It was the one who said no, but he changed his mind. He went out in the field and he worked. And Jesus challenges these people and he says prostitutes and tax collectors are <coughs> entering the kingdom of heaven before you. And he said that when John came, you didn't follow him, but the tax collectors and the sinners did. So he's talking about these self-righteous people that are called the Pharisees who are paying lip service to the Lord but they're really not following the Lord with, their, with all of their heart. So one of the essential messages is this. We have to learn the importance of obeying. The importance of obedience. Very important. Very important. The first sin occurred when Satan said, I will not obey God. I will not serve, which means I will not obey God. That was the first sin even before the creation of the world. Satan, Lucifer, would not obey. Then once the world is created... <coughs> Adam and Eve were put to the test. They were asked to obey a very simple order. And what was that? God placed them in the garden. There are many wonderful trees in the garden. And God said simply not to eat from the tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Right, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, not to touch from that tree, from that fruit, otherwise they would die. And you know what happened? Eve was seduced by the serpent, the ancient serpent. She ate from the forbidden fruit. Then she gave the fruit to Adam and he ate. And that is called original sin. And that is, that is indeed a moral tsunami. It is a moral tsunami that has repercussions 
throughout the world until the end of time. Those, those two actions from Satan and Adam and Eve were, were acts of disobedience. Disobedience is always related to pride because we want to do our own thing and we want to discard God. Whereas if we look at Mary, it's the exact opposite. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done to me according to their word. And Jesus came into the world to do the will, to obey the will of the Heavenly Father. There are many passages in the Bible that confirm this whole idea of obeying. Of obeying. One would be, Jesus says, that at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, not all those who, not all those who say, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but those who do the will of my heavenly Father. These are the words of Christ. Not all those who say, Lord, Lord. Not all those who say, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but those who do the will of my heavenly Father. But all those who do the will of my heavenly Father. Jesus will go on to say also, if you love me, if you love me, obey my commandments. So my friends, holiness, loving God, does not depend upon mood swings, emotions, feelings, have an emotional high, even visions and apparitions. It's not that important. Holiness depends upon recognizing what the will of God is and trying to carry it out on a daily basis. I repeat, holiness depends on recognizing what is the will of God, what is the will of God, and trying to carry out the will of God on a daily basis. I'd like to tell you a story that I heard Father Larry tell years back related to this topic. And it's this. 
Once there was a, uh, a father who had two sons in the state of Wyoming, and they were farmers. So the father and his sons, they would travel through the fields on horseback. On horseback. So one occasion the father told his sons, don't go, don't go right over the hill, but rather go around the hill. Don't go right over the hill, but go around the hill to circumvent the hill. The sons, the sons listening to their father went around the hill. And it turned out that right over the hill were a couple of huge grizzly bears on their hind legs ready to pounce upon who would come over the hill first. I think it's a great story. What do you think? I think it's a great story because if those two sons were have chosen to do their own will rather than to obey the will of their Heavenly Father, then they would have most likely been ripped apart and would have been devoured by those hungry bears. By the hungry bears. So we see, my friends, that story teaches us the the danger of disobedience but the importance of obedience. We as religious priests, we have three vows. The vow of chastity, poverty, and obedience. That we're called to obey our rector major, our provincial, our superiors. We're called to obey our spiritual directors. our confessors, how important it is for us to obey. On a, on a more local level, <clears throat> tell you something that could be helpful related to obedience. And if you're just tuning in, what I'm doing today is I'm trying to explain the parable of the father with the two sons. Which the father told one son to go out in the field and work, and he said, I'll go, father, but he never went. And he told the second son, go out in the field to work, and he said, I'm not going to go, but he, his conscience bothered him. His conscience bothered him, and he did go out. 
he did go out to work. So I'm extrapolating upon this, trying to explain the real importance of of the virtue of obedience. So we as religious, we are called to obey God through our constitutions, through our superiors, through our local superiors. We're called to obey. And when we obey, we know that we're doing the will of God, which gives great peace of mind. Gives great peace of mind. On a more personal level, I like to share this with us, with, with you, in our family, our perseverance family. In a family of nine, I'm thankful to God that I was brought up and raised not in a dysfunctional family, but in a really good family. Not perfect, because only God is perfect. But in a good family. My parents... My father died six years ago. May God rest his soul. My mom is still living. Thanks be to God. They didn't. They didn't have too many rules. It was implicit that God, God should be in the center of our lives. Three basic tripod: God, family, and education would be the tripod of the. Of the Broom family. God first, the family, and then the importance of education because we are what we think. It's important to form strong minds with strong convictions. And these convictions are led to actions and forms our personality and then eventually our destiny. My parents uh, insisted upon two basic rules in the family. One was not to lie, but to tell the truth. The other was the importance of obedience to authority. I'll explain. Not to lie, but to always tell the truth. Because, and maybe this is common sense to all of you, but because if the family members, if the family members, be it the father, the mother, the brother, the sister, the other brother, if all are in the habit of telling lies, then you can't trust anyone. That's right. You can't trust anyone. You can't trust anyone. 
because family harmony depends in lot, a lot upon being able to trust others. Husband that doesn't trust a wife, the wife that doesn't trust a husband, that uh, that marriage is going to fall apart. There has to be mutual trust and confidence in each other. But the other point, expounding upon the gospel parable for today, the importance of of, be, of obeying. The older, the first son said, I will go, but he didn't go. Words are cheap. It's not simply to, it's not, not enough simply to say something, but we have to put into practice what we're saying. We say words are cheap. Even Pope Paul VI in his document, Evangelium Nunciandi, which was his missionary document, said, the world is tired of a lot of words. The world wants to see saints. Not too many words. Yes, we have to preach, but we have to put into practice what we're preaching. So, the second rule that we had was the importance of obeying authority. That's right. Obeying authority. Because if in the family there's no authority then what will reign is anarchy anarchy and there will be total confusion someone has to call the shots and that should be the mother and the father the parents to the children Very interesting how someone came to this country and said, how interesting it is in the United States how the parents obey the children. How important is, how, how sad that comment is, how the parents obey the children. So those are the two pillars that reigned in our family, and I believe that we should we should aim for that in all families. Truth and obedience. Always telling the truth and trying to obey. Trying to obey authority. Trying to obey authority. Very important. Truth and obedience. I'd like to tell you one other story because we we remember the concepts through through stories. I must have been thirteen or fourteen years old, and we're talking about the importance of obeying, my friends. We have to learn how to obey. 
is um, when the mass. This would be in the in the early sixties. Um, was said in the vernacular, no longer in Latin, but in the, in the language of the people, the vernacular. My father, uh, he offered his services in the church to be a lector and a commentator. A lector and a commentator. So he'd climb the pulpit and he would do either the first reading or there was sometimes, there was back then there was a comment on the readings before the readings or the second reading. So I must have been maybe 13 or 14. My father said to me, why don't you, why don't you become a reader, a lector? And I was in shock because those days the churches would be packed to the gills. You'd have a you'd have five hundred to thousand people there in the churches on Sunday. They felt all those thousand eyes glaring at me as this young teenager got up to read the Word of God. I thought that I would I would freeze. I would be paralyzed. So I really told my father, you know, I really don't feel up to that. I really don't feel up to that. My father would always challenge us to get out of our comfort zone. To challenge us to get out of our comfort zone. So my father insisted and said, okay. So I was given the task of reading one of the readings in the Mass on Sunday. And I must have practiced that reading in the mirror probably a good ten times, trying to read, trying to pause, trying to pronounce the words properly. And the fatal day arrived. So I climbed up the because you'd have to climb up a pulpit. There were two pulpits, one for the lay people, then the, the priest would, would, would climb up another pulpit in the church. And I got up, and with fear and trembling, I got up, and I read. And I read. And I was, I, I was just very, very... Fearful. But I did it. Afterward, when I saw my father, he and my mom were there present in the Mass, my father complimented me and said, Well done, son. And he said, Okay, try to speak a little bit slower. Okay, try to speak closer to the microphone. And there's one word that you mispronounced, but that's okay. In other words, my father complimented me, but he intervened and he corrected certain things that had to be corrected. So as a result of that now, I mean, I've been a public speaker for more than 50 years. I'm speaking to you now. 
Later on today, I'll be on the radio. Tomorrow, I'll be on TV in Spanish. So just doing a lot of public speaking and writing and communicating. But I'm thankful. I'm thankful for my father. That he would challenge us to get out of our comfort zone. And really what it, what it was, I'm trying to comment on the gospel for today. It was a matter of obeying. My father told me to do it. I obeyed and God blesses those who obey legitimate authority. So I hope that this conversation has been helpful for you and your families. And I'll pray for you and you'll pray for me. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.